Hey, you found Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. On this episode of the podcast, he speaks to primary school teacher Simon Hunt, and this was originally broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 29th of September, 2019. Welcome back to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. I'm Paul Jenkins here on the Weekend Wind Down, and this is the Waffle Hour. Uh, so I'm delighted to be joined in the studio this afternoon by Simon Hunt. Good afternoon, Simon. Good afternoon. Um, thanks for, le- for letting me be here. It's just, I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm quite interested in everything that's going on behind the scenes, so that's what I was doing for the past two minutes, asking Paul, what does that button do? What does that button do? <laughs> it's great. With, if, if you've not ever been in the studio with us here, uh, we've got a, a mountain of screens. It looks like the Starship Enterprise. It does. Uh, it's there's, there's screens everywhere. There's buttons. There's, there's twiddly knobs and all sorts of things to, to, to play with. Um, uh, so, Simon, your um, your regular role, your your job, you've got a proper job, unlike, yes. unlike the rest of us. Uh, what's what, what do you do? So, I'm a primary school teacher, and I work in the fabulous Tottington Primary School, unofficially, officially the best school in the world. Officially, or unofficially, right. I'm not quite sure which one, but for where, me, where did it's that official. moniker come from? It was that. Uh, no idea. I just kind of stumbled on my words then and came <laughs> up with that. But I think it's the best school in the world. But that's because I work there. And the people that I work with. So I work in a year three, four class. So I have 20 primary school, 24 year fours this year and eight year threes. Yes. Should we um, translate into old money for my granddad? Gosh, right. So, so what's that? Three. Year fours. That's right. second year juniors. Junior two. Junior that's, my mum still says that, you know. Yeah. Still. I don't know when that's going to change. I, don't think <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think it's like everyone's got to convert everything into mm-hmm. old money. We've got to go back into old school. Definitely. As well. um, and so that, as part of that job, well, I mean, that must be uh, just a rewarding thing to it's do. The I used to be a, a secondary teacher, but it's a very different job. Isn't yes. It? It's the best job in the world. I mean, I work Monday to Thursday, and I usually have one day a week where I do teacher training and different things outside of school, which becomes because of school I had those opportunities but um, I think it's the best job in the world so at the moment we're in week six next week um, and I'm still getting to know the class the different children and that's the best part of the job you get to know 30 or sometimes more different individual personalities and you get to spend a lot of time with them because I'm with them from nine till three so Monday to Thursday most of the week so you get to really form a really good relationship with them the hardest part about that though is when it comes to July you get they go to the class above and you get another class and it's all emotional I'm a mess in July, by the way, yeah. I'm an absolute emotional wreck, and then I do it again, uh, yeah, for another year, and then again. But yeah, do you just out of interest? Do you get hardened to it? Because no. when I was when when I was teaching high school, the year 11s, by the time they'd got to year 11, there was a little bit of of actually you're ready to go now. You've you've reached that kind of the precipice of adulthood a little bit. Yeah, um, but that's not the same with the year sixes when they. No, move. I don't think so. Because I, I think it's getting worse for me. Like yeah. honestly, this July when I, I had the class I had this year were just amazing and I got to know I would we, we go on such a journey together um, an educational journey and personal journey all together and when they move up it's, it's almost like someone else has got your kids you know when you see the next teacher <laughs> with your children you're like that's my child and yeah. and then but then <laughs> you've got another group of children <laughs> yeah but then you get another group of kids and then it starts again and then you form a relationship and it's just I think I'm getting um more emotional in my old age mm. or older age I yeah. just turned 39 last week, so, yeah. Big four zero, actually. Am I right in thinking uh, that uh, just a couple of years back, uh, you, were, you were rewarded, I uh, believe, for your... Uh, it was, teaching. yeah. See, this was last year. I, w- I was awarded the Inspirational Teacher of the Year, which, saying that sounds a bit 
I don't know, but if there was another, if this was another radio station, there would be you know faint yes. clapping and whooping and cheering. We don't have such a button to press, yes. but I will, I will whoop and cheer on your behalf. Thank you. Because congratulations, that's, no, it. that's quite you. a thing to be given. It was lovely, and the nicest part of that was um, I got to go with the head teacher, Mr. Holden, mm-hmm. and everything I've done is because of the school, the support, and most importantly, the kids. So although I won that award, I got to take the kids up there because it's it's as much their reward, if not more, than mine. Because yeah. without the kids in the classroom i'm just a guy stood in a room talking by myself to myself so yeah yeah and it's it's nice to have that isn't it yeah have that, it was like, lovely sometimes have that recognition as well to, to say actually that you know we're not just doing our job mm. actually we're doing doing our job well i think it's, it's sometimes that it's nice a lot of teachers i think feel undervalued sometimes yes but they're very valuable um we're going to have a chat uh, in the second uh, part of our interview about uh, something pretty special that that happened with a, with one of your classes and led you on a, well a couple of merry adventures not not oh, gosh, to this yeah. country aren't we um now we're going to we're going to do that in the second part of the interview. Uh, in between times, we we like to ask our guests to to choose a, a few songs uh, yes. to, to kind of play us through. Um, your your first choice uh, is the Killers with Mr. Brightside. Uh, right. What what kind of led you down to the Killers route? That song. If I wherever I am when I listen to that song, it takes me immediately back to York St John University around about two thousand two <laughs> three. That was the album that came out when I first went to university, yeah. and. I just remember jumping up and down with my friends and wherever I am, that song just, that emotion, just for, if I'm down, whack that song up, I'm happy. Same in the classroom, but in the morning sometimes running around classroom yeah. and then yeah, that's why I love that song. Gets you, gets you into the It mood, does, right? I might just dance around now if that's right with you, That's Paul. absolutely <laughs> fine with me. We've got Killers with Mr Brightside. That was The Killers with Mr Brightside. Uh, I'm Paul Jenkins. You're here with me on the Waffle Hour and I'm joined in the studio by my guest Simon Hunt. Hello, uh, everyone. And we were just having a chat uh, about music and The Killers and about... Uh, we were talking about music memory quite a lot. Yes. And about sort of memories that stirred in uh, just about the, the brain and how it's quite a, an amazing place, really. Yes, it was, it was very... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got very deep during yeah, The Killers there. it was very there. deep, yeah. <laughs> um, right, so, um, yeah, you were saying just before uh, we broke... Uh, for the music there um about how sometimes your teaching ends up taking you on uh, an amazing journey mm-hmm. uh, and i believe you've got a, a poem that that, that yes. kind of kicked off one of those journeys so what what i'll do is i'll read this poem and then we can talk about how we what this poem where this poem came from yeah so um this poem it was written by my year six class from devonshire Road primary school in bolton on a wednesday morning i think it was um on a large piece of paper down the center of the classroom and we'd been doing some work around killer whales or orcas um about how basically they're too big to be in these tanks and we use um in tanks in sea world and different marine parks Mm. and we use a a documentary um blackfish as a stimulus to help understand and we this is the first time i ever did a poem like this so i didn't tell the kids we're doing poetry because sometimes i found especially in year six if you tell the children you're doing poetry they kind of switch off so all i did was tell them we're going to write stuff on the floor (laughs) that's it sounds better Um, to me and so we did a huge big piece of paper down the center and the children written some words all together uh, underneath different headings and this is what they created and we put it online and i'll talk about that later but i'll read the poem to you because i just said to you before actually i've not actually written this poem down since the day that i did that letter mm. that that um that lesson sorry so this is the first time that i'd written it down and it's just reading back through it just brings a lot of emotion to me so sure. i'll get through it though <laughs> so i used to be i used to be happy have a family live eat and play in freedom every day Looking up at the stars, I used to be proud of my life. I used to ride the waves, glide through the infinite ocean, smell the fresh sea breeze. My tall fin touched the sky. I used to feel alive. I used to be free. Then, 
They came for me, chased me, scared me, caught me, ruined everything. They took me from my home, away from my family. They stole my childhood, took my life away, and let my family watch them do it. They crushed my hopes and dreams. They stole my freedom. Now, I live in a small tank, trapped, afraid, petrified. The others hurt me, but I cannot swim away. People stare at me, grinning through the glass. They can't see my pain. They just don't know. Forced to perform for food, I have no choice. Stuck in this place that will never be my home. I am lost. Will I ever be proud to be who I am again? See my family and be full of happiness once more? Will I ever once again swim in the vast ocean? Will I ever be free? Wow. I know. It's and weird, isn't it? And that was written by some year six pupils. Could so be year six kids from Boston. 10 and 11 year old children. Yeah. And that was. And how did they manage to do that was it do you say it was a long piece of paper down the middle of the room yeah so i cleared the tables and straight away because i moved the tables the kids were like oh my gosh what's happening here the tables have moved how (laughs) dare you do this so i put a large piece of paper backing paper down the center of the classroom and i just used those headings so that i used to be and we talked about how they used to be free how they must have enjoyed being in the ocean and then um we just written some words and sentences down and we picked uh, so we just loads of ideas down on the paper first we went through using a bit of the vi- the film a bit of the statistic and the research that we'd done over the previous couple of weeks and then we just pick picked little bits of the ideas and put it all together and we created this poem and that's when I told them this is a poem mm. because I've already told them at the start we're going to do personification poem from the viewpoint of an orca it's very abstract <laughs> that's but a lot of long words for yeah, a if I kid. say write stuff on paper and enjoy it they loved it and then they got it straight away they understood how easy poetry can be because I found as a teacher when you talk, talk, tell kids about poetry they get obsessed with rhyming which is wonderful if you can do it mm-hmm. but I think they lose it they focus on the rhyme rather than the actual content Yeah, and I, I, that's what I found and I've also found I've said this since you came into school uh, since you came to school I remember you saying um, the great thing about poetry is that it breaks the rules of grammar mm. and the good thing about that is if the children know that they're breaking the rules of grammar they know they know that there's rules there in the first place and I've used that ever since you've told you've, you said that and the kids get that so then because they're breaking the rules they want to do it more which <laughs> yeah. is like just like you would do but oh, yeah poets are rebels that's what they yes are. and then because it's a poem we had to perform it because poems have to be performed it's, it's kind of like having a CD without pressing play and putting it in mm. a poem has to be performed so we put a green screen up we put some music on and then we recorded it and we put it online and then that's when everything kind of spiralled out of control but in a really positive way yeah you say spiralled out of control uh, it, it took you abroad I'm pretty certain because we're, we're writing did. about killer whales and, yes. and how did how did that where did that take you to physically right it physically took us to Brussels right. to the European Parliament <laughs> in the main chamber having a debate with SeaWorld executives and uh, scientists we're still with year 10 like yes. 10 and 11 year old children this is with 10 and 11 year olds um, it's kind of I'm trying to condense it so basically Basically, we got in contact with Born Free. Our video kind of went viral. It went all over the world. It had a few hundred thousand views on a French channel because it got translated into French. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stars from the film Blackfish saw the saw the poem and said, "We'd like to speak to you." And they said, "Well, with one of them, Sam Berg, she said she's speaking to CNN. Then she has to speak to NBC. <laughs> CNN, just into a conversation. Um, but I've got a spare hour. <laughs> Do you mind?" And so I said, "Yeah, sure." So she spoke to us live from Alaska via via Skype, and then my children were having a full-on conversation with someone that they seen on netflix right. recently so it was i was stood at the corner with my christmas jumper on because it was just nearly christmas um thinking what is going on here? but then <laughs> i couldn't go right guys we're going to do another topic the week after so we continued with it and there was a debate going on and a petition that was trying to be passed through european parliament to ban uh, captive cetaceans and eu tanks and cetaceans are basically anything like a dolphin beluga whale anything larger than um yeah these intelligent animals are to the tanks basically shouldn't be in tanks 
And so we collected signatures. We then decided that we were going to send these signatures to EU Parliament. But then Born Free said, any chance you could fly over with some kids? I said, I'd love to. I spoke to my head. There's I, a few forms yes, to fill out there, I'm imagining. Uh, risk assessment. And your teacher <laughs> heard the word risk assessment. So I spoke to my head and said, have you got £10,000 roughly for me and 10 kids to go? She said, struggling with glue sticks here. We can't <laughs> possibly send you. But then I found a loophole and we applied for some funding through um, the through Sajid Karim, who was a conservative yeah. so i felt a bit better about that but that's another story <laughs> and he basically paid for us to go over to european parliament but when we got there mm. we didn't realize it was we were going to go into the main chamber and never realized we were going to meet these stars and have a debate and then mm. we sat right at the front and um during during the debate they in, invited questions so we took 10 kids and me and my uh, deputy head and another ta invited questions from the audience expecting all these scientists and all these MEPs to have a full-on debate yeah. and one of my lads Bradley he popped his hand up and pressed the buzzer I don't know if you've ever been in European Parliament before no I, I don't because um, you generally tend to hang out in the European Parliament <laughs> <laughs> every time someone says something it gets translated to all these languages and he popped his hand up and he gave the, the statistic in fact he said to SeaWorld and he called them SeaWorld he mm. said SeaWorld um, why is it that 100% of male killer whales in captivity have a collapsed dorsal fin yet in the wild is 0.5% and of those 0.5% percent it's usually because we're about to die explain that <laughs> now the the room kind of looked around at this 10 year old boy yeah i thought how where's this kid come from who is this child mm. and i was sat at the other end of the room thinking this is just amazing that this is happening sea world the executives in sea world really confused didn't know what to say the anti-captivity people and born free kind of give them a round of applause because mm. he basically told SeaWorld where table. to go to this massive company and then they were like oh, any more questions and then every single child in my class that put their hand up and pressed the buzzer <laughs> and they had a debate for half an hour Wonderful. with SeaWorld and they won and they won <laughs> so this is, and this is now being uh, enacted into law and this uh, they uh, changed their procedures yes yeah. so uh, a year later so we got back a year later well in between I got threatened by SeaWorld and banned from going to SeaWorld but okay. I'm alright with that that's alright um, and then a year later after the kids had left because they were year 6 I got a letter an official letter from European Parliament saying that the guidance of Article 4 Section 3 I think it was of um, notice to European Parliament Europe, European mm. countries this is the act that's going to go through and I'd class and my, myself named on that so, so you're writing for a purpose there there is absolutely mm. writing for a purpose and that's that's the case of a lesson just literally resulting in some direct action yes. with kids and, and yes. social action Wow, the power of words sometimes, eh? Yes, and and then, I mean, can you imagine those children in secondary school now? What, what did you do in primary? Well, we just know. changed European Parliament. Yeah, law, you know, that's right. like you changed, do. Changed a bit of European law. But what I guarantee one of <laughs> those children will... Oh, they could do a better... I mean, my year fours could do a better job than what's going on in this country right now. <laughs> I can guarantee one of those, chil one of those children will, will do something amazing in their lives, and I'm happy to, at some point to think that I've, I'm hopefully part of that in some way, shape, or form. It's, it's properly inspirational stuff. Um, we've got lots more to talk about. We're going to be talking about uh, books and, and reading in particular yes. uh, in, in the final uh, segment. Uh, we've got... Uh, we've Now, I, it means... I don't know if you've, you've noticed or not uh, on the show, but I've got an unwritten rule that if I place some oasis I have to place some blur later on in the show Ooh, it's a kind of balance so it means okay. at some point or another in the next hour or so I'm going to have to find a blur track to That's put on fair enough. Uh, but you've chosen Wonderwall by Oasis what, what, where, where does this sit in the, in the Simon Hunt this was this song was the first song that I listened to that I thought actually I, 
I like music more than what my mum used to listen to when I was a kid. <laughs> I thought, what is this? And then when I realised it was from like a Manchester band and I kind of bit had an identity. And this actually, this song in my school at Devonshire Road Primary, I played this in my interview. They said, mm-hmm. bring something along that represents you. So I brought my guitar yeah. and I played this during my interview. And I got the job, so it must have... Excellent. So it obviously didn't fall on the David Brent side of things. No, no. Guitar. It was more inspirational <laughs> Yes, than that. and I kind of played it for a couple of minutes. I said, do you want me just to play this throughout the whole interview? I'm fine <laughs> with that. And then, But yeah, I got the job from that and then... That my time there in Devonshire Road was amazing. Okay, we'll hand you over to the Gallagher's then. That was Oasis with Wonderwall. Uh, we are here on the Waffle Hour. Uh, this is the final part of our interview with uh, Simon Hunt, who's been, uh, we've been chatting. We, we didn't even get on to Seattle in the last part of there. Just threw it in there. I think that developed, as well as going to Brussels, you were then invited to Seattle yes. to speak, weren't so you? so I did similar work in Tottenham Primary School with um, basically around a similar subject to do with Killer Whales. And then we spoke to some people from Netflix and they said, would you like to present basically what I'd done in England and Brussels um, over at Seattle? To, well, and it's someone island out it's just off the coast of seattle would you like to go so i had a little think asked my wife and she said <laughs> yeah go so i flew over and presented to a huge theater full of people that from all over the world and i was stood there talking about the kids the work that my kids had done in year three and four um and then during that week i actually went around the island and i was on a boat and i saw um, killer whales just there in front of me about 30 40 of them just singing it was beautiful from was, one yeah. from one Wednesday morning lesson. Yes, uh, uh, poetry. Imagine the possibilities. Uh, now we've been talking about uh, just uh, the, the bread and butter of of teaching is yes. is books, uh, yes. and obviously this this hour the waffle hour focuses on words and about uh, about the effect that words have. And we've had authors and we've had poets in uh, in previous mm. weeks. Um, but I think you're you're at the, the kind of product end uh, yeah. because we've you know we produce all these things and we send them out into the world and we hope people like them. But actually you're you're using those things in your classroom. Um, what kind of effect does a good book have on on a class or, or an when, individual pupil? It's, it's when they get lost within the pages and mm. they forget everything around. I mean, think about when you're a child and your favourite book. Mine was um, The Witches. I remember reading that book mm. and forgetting everything that was going on in the world. And if you can do that within the classroom and then use... Because um, children, they, we call it magpie, and don't we? We, we, mm. we take ideas. If you read David Williams, is very similar to Roald Dahl, the way he writes. Um so by by giving the children books that maybe they haven't had access to before but then celebrating as well when, when the, my kids first come into my classroom the first week I put sellotape and <laughs> put things around my library and say we're not allowed in this morning Right, and then we have a big grand opening of the books and we we make it a special time because if you put if you put an emphasis on the books the children they know it's a special time that they're going to read and then it just adds more to it so so you physically uh, so you've got it like a box i've got it off yeah well, I've got, uh, you can't you can't touch this yet it's yes. nothing worse than as a child being told you can't exactly touch that. immediately they want to go and look in the library yeah. so i've got a small library and i choose books and then what i do is I, I talk about some of the books and what they mean to me and then i also tell them you know what books are you interested in and then just having a conversation and then that first week you understood what books you might have read or not um, you just want to get the children to because you'll get some kids um, reluctant to read and for whatever reason yeah. that you, you try to not get rid of that by, by rather than tell them well you should love reading give them a reason to love reading rather than tell them that you should and by giving them access to books and um, books as well with pictures like, like I love Sean Tan's books have you ever read any of Sean Tan's I've not come across they are Sean wonderful Tan. there's a book called The Lost Thing and it's just every time I read that book I spot something all the kids will spot something that I've never spotted before and just and how we interpret different books as well mm. just by giving the kids access to books 
I think it just gives them a chance to read and read for pleasure, and that's what it's about. And when, the more they read, the more places they will go. Mm. I, it's funny you should say about about perspective with mm. books because I, I recently reread uh, Danny, the Champion of the World, uh, for for, for right, a while. I've read that for years, it, it, and it had been a long time yeah. since I'd read it. And I read it as a kid and thought, oh, you know what? This is not one of my favourite Rodals. It, it was never one of my favourite either. It didn't have magic in it. It, it didn't have um, sparkles and, and mm. you know silly romantic love stories about tortoises growing or anything like that. Mm. It was it was a story about a kid and his dad i am now a dad and i've reread that story and i've got absolute identification with both the boy and the dad in that in that that book now and it was so much it it really did speak to me and i think it makes a massive difference for from child to child sometimes a a kid will pick up a book i suppose and think you know what that doesn't relate to me but actually there's there's a book out there for everybody isn't there Mm. um and like you say when you see a child really kind of engage with a book you you get that kind of sense of special magic with them and it's not the same for all of them is it and just by having and just by having a discussion about the books mm. just making us uh, i feel just making reading a special thing mm. for me is if you give it a special an importance within your classroom in the school the children the intern give an importance when we read we have every thursday we go to the library that we have a school library luckily yeah and um, we take we take biscuits and we sit down and play classical music and i make a special thing of it mm. and because i do that the children know it's a special time mm. and then they'll pick books up that maybe they wasn't they would not have picked up before because they've got that opportunity to and then they'll read at home and then I tell them to bring books and then it's just yeah and, and at the moment now being a dad myself I'm yeah. reading every night to my son and he's changing his re- he's into dinosaurs at the moment but yeah. I love reading to him because it's just a special time for us both and I think like you said um your perspective changes now. I think if I read um, Danny Trump of the World again, yeah. being a father now, being a dad, I think it would completely change. It, like watching Toy Story now. Yes. It just ruins me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that moment in Toy Story 3, I've not seen Toy Story 4 yet, so please Spoiler no spoilers. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Toy Story 3, there was, a, there was a moment in that in that film or in a book or, or whatever we, we choose to engage mm. with where you think that they can't they can't incinerate this. Sorry if you haven't seen Toy Story 3, it's been out for a while now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, you, you really do feel for the character and I think that's a, that's a, a thing about books. Mm. Uh, you were saying that it was, it's not just kind of like modern literature that the kids are reading, like your David Williams, or, yes. or I, I, I can't still count Rodol <laughs> yeah, as modern literature. Yeah. Um, but you were mentioning uh, in one of the breaks that you've been working with, with even with Shakespeare stories. Yes, I think when when because i love teaching shakespeare because I, the best thing about shakespeare is when the children first see it they think i'm not gonna be able to understand this yeah. this is too difficult for me um but um i like to Macbeth is a great one because it's quite linear the story and we've got halloween coming up as well so i'll start with hocus pocus not hocus pocus hubble bubble tone trouble yeah by a still three witches yeah. in hocus pocus exactly <laughs> well, yeah. just doing shakespeare. <laughs> and um then they understand i think they just know that it's just playing with words and when they look at the shakespeare basically invented so many words and that we use today and then yeah. we look at um we do this thing where it's batman versus shakespeare i don't know if you've done that before batman t- against shakespeare yes they if they're a lot of the the a lot of the batman comics mm. are very similar to a lot of the shakespearean um plays and you show this, you show a more. phrase <laughs> you show a phrase on the board and they've got to guess whether it's batman or shakespeare wonderful and then they move to the side you know, like when you play the game walls yeah and then i reveal and then we reveal what play it's from and then uh, it's really hard i want to play this game it's, it's amazing and then the kids are like well if batman if, it, if it's good enough for batman it's good enough for me and then i said to you just during the break when we was waffling during the break yeah. that um i remember a couple of years ago i was sat in my classroom next to the window now children at break time and lunchtime they forget how windows work they think you just they just don't exist and yeah it's kind of funny that you can sit and listen to the conversations <laughs> they were playing shakespeare you oh, you be goodness. um who was it i think you be macbeth i'll be, and i'll be done 
I'll be Duncan, and they were playing Shakespeare. And I thought if Shakespeare, if uh, Ofsted could come now, <laughs> record this, what's happening? It'd be amazing. But it was nice because they were doing it for themselves, not because I told them go outside and play Shakespeare. Mm. They were doing it for themselves, and that's what's beautiful. And now I've seen from some of your work with your class. Can you share yes. some of your work with your class online quite a lot. You have a, a Facebook group and, a, and, do, and, yeah. and various other bits and pieces on your uh, Romeo and online. Juliet. When we do that, one. you did a, yeah. you did a Romeo and Juliet version, Western style. Western style. So yes. just just translating it into uh, you know that kind of, that kind of showdown between yeah, the Montagues so and the Capulets. Just insults. We looked at Shakespearean words mm. and looked at insults and said, right, we're going to insult each other in Shakespearean language. Who, what kid is not going to give that a go? Yes. Um, and then we created our own insults and shouted them at each other, slow-moed it with some um, Western music, and it works really well yes you slimy-headed <laughs> I'm just this is the thing is that you can make anything sound Shakespearean exactly. if, you, if you use the pompous voice um, <laughs> it's that, that that brilliant line in a, I've read somewhere that the, the script for Star Wars where uh, you, you, um, you scruffy looking nerf herder um, but that that, that um, where she's talking to Han Solo mm. uh, and he says he's scruffy looking but that whole thing was, it was like we wanted to create a Shakespearean style yeah. so, uh, and it was you know they came up with scruffy looking nerf herder um, which, which I think it's nice that even in popular culture that Shakespeare is kind of being translated still and being moved yeah and sometimes the kids don't realise that that's where it's come from Mm. and then once we've done Macbeth we do Romeo and Juliet we do a different plays and I love Tempest yeah Um, I love um, much to do about nothing there's so many different um, plays that are just I would when I first started teaching I never thought I would be able to teach Shakespeare because I was scared of it I thought it's just too complicated it's too difficult kids won't understand it but I think we underestimate children sometimes and give them opportunities to to, to, to prove to us what they can do rather than put limitations on what, what we think they can do it was I was I was in the on the, uh, the Wednesday of this week no sorry Friday of this week I was mm-hmm. in the, I was at the Met in Berry, uh, and they're getting ready for the Shakespeare Schools Festival down there this year uh, three, so, so I think it was Elmsbank uh, were, were down there and uh, uh, Phillips Phillips Park Phillips Park from uh, Whitefield mm-hmm. uh, and Sharples from over in Bolton. Uh, they're, they're, but they're they're getting ready to produce half-hour versions of Shakespeare down there to, mm. pr- to you know produce in a professional theatre. Um, and it's uh, it's a it's a really nice way sometimes of getting kids involved when they're up on their feet and using Shakespeare and using words. Yeah. they can they can kind of get themselves going, which is yes. fantastic. So what, just to, just to finish up, what, what are you teaching tomorrow morning? What's the plan? What you, oh, have you yes. done your planning yet? Not a half. So, <laughs> um, you speaking about books, so yeah. our topic at the moment is Romans. So, oh, right. um, tomorrow I'm doing something similar that I talked about with the library. Mm. I'm, I've got a book called Escape from Pompeii. It's a wonderful book by, by an author called Christina Balit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually we speak to her after two weeks, so we, kids get engaged in the book. Then we actually get to speak to her. Are you skyping? Um, yes, what? we're yeah. skyping her. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to wrap the book in brown paper, mm-hmm. put a bow on it, leave it on the desk and say, we're not allowed to touch that book. And then straight away, every single child will want to know what is in that book. But just little things like that. They're, they're like, what's in the book? So I know after break time, I'll tell you. Yeah. And then I'll rip a little bit off and then we've got to guess what the book's about just by revealing just a little bit of the book. But just that, just the awe and wonder of what's this book? So when I do reveal it, automatically they want to know what's in this book. And that's kind of what I like to start off with tomorrow. That is absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. No problem. Thank you for having me, Simon. Um, we're going to finish with uh, with your last choice, uh, with uh, the yes. only Nirvana that we had in the playlist. Uh, we've, we're, I'm going to have a moan to somebody at the station. We couldn't find "Smells Like Teen Spirit," um, <clears throat> but what you, you, you've chosen "Come As You Are." Yes. Yeah, so, um, like I said before, Oasis was the first time I started to listen to music for myself, rather than what my mum had on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then I remember listening to Nirvana, and it was "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and I remember thinking, "What was that?" <laughs> <laughs> was it noise? What, but I, I couldn't understand what it was, but I loved it because it was so different to what I was used to before. And then I bought the album and I listened to it over and over and over again, and I still do. Oh, here we go then. So is Nirvana with Come As You Are. Thanks, Simon. Thank you. Cross the nail, raise-
Uh, my thanks to Simon uh, Simon Hunt, who's just leaving the studio now. We carried on chatting well after um, <laughs> well after we should have done. Uh, but uh, I just got so involved with the conversation there about just about books and about the way kids learn. Uh, and maybe it's just because of me uh, being a teacher, but I could wax lyrical about kids all day. Um, if you do get the chance. Um, have a look at uh, Simon's web uh, web page. It's uh, uh, Simon Hunt's Primary Teaching, uh, and uh, we'll we'll put some links up on the Facebook page a little later on. And so that's Waffle, the bite-sized podcast, over for yet another week. My very best of thanks to Simon Hunt for coming into the studio to have a chat about books and all of his amazing adventures in teaching. Uh, Waffle, the bite-sized podcast, is produced by Lee Ball in association with Russendale Radio. I've been Paul Jenkins. Hope to see you next week. <laughs>